Hi there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box here, your host. You know, I love summer, partly because of the longer days and the time to spend more time outside walking and listening to podcasts. And lately I've been going back and listening to some of my own podcasts and thinking about the lessons that I've learned from all the fabulous guests. So this week, I'm doing the same thing. I'm revisiting an interview with two very different uh, guests. Actually, there's three people. The first interview is with Robin Kennedy. And for those of you who may remember, they're very funny. But they've also, um, I think, shared some lessons about what's possible when you don't know what you don't know. And you just go ahead and especially if you have an intolerance for accepting the normal processes, but you go ahead to solve a problem that is something you've been experiencing and then come to find out many other people were just waiting for you to step up and solve that problem because they had that problem as well. So Robin Kennedy shares some of their um, wisdom with us. Then my second interview that I'm sharing with you is Matt Ward. Now Matt also a funny guy, but he started a software company many years ago, almost two decades ago, and sold it in 2018. But one of the things that Matt, I think, leaves us with is a, a, the whole concept about referrals and a trust bank account. And Matt will share some of his experiences of when things were promised to him to be one way and He showed up expecting that promise to be delivered on and found himself, what I would say is between a rock and a hard space. And not only did he make the most of it, he excelled because of it. And now he actually tours the states and other places as well, sharing his message about what it means to build relationships and think of those as your long-term game for really success in life. So I hope you enjoyed listening to these interviews again. I know I did. And I'll be back next week with another compilation. There are No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today, we have a great treat for you. I'm actually really excited to introduce you to both of our guests today, partly because they're very funny. They're very smart. They have unique backgrounds that have led them to the work that they're doing. And if I told you that they were, they sold software product, and then I told you their backstory, you wouldn't really make an, a connection. So let me tell you, they describe themselves as the most unlikely entrepreneurs you will ever meet. Um, and sporting hairstyles that look like comic book characters with backgrounds in psychology, hypnosis, and show business. I will tell you, looking at the two of you, I don't think you look like comic book characters, but you do look like characters. You look like fun. <laughs> yeah. you look That's like the biggest fun. compliment we've had all day. Well, it's, oh, it's late in your day. We've got, a, <laughs> we've got a time difference between us. So, But let's just dive in. Can you share a bit of your own backstory and what led you to where you are doing the work you're doing today together. 
Well, well, well. Once upon a time. Um, <laughs> Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> uh, let me unpack the story. So uh, we've been friends for about 16 years, I mm-hmm. think, and we met through the world of entertainment. So uh, my background was as a, a magician when I was growing up as a kid. I always wanted to be a magician. That was what I was going to do for a living. Took it really seriously. And then when I was about 14, I saw a hypnotist, a stage comedy hypnotist, and decided that would be cool. Now, lots of entertainers do branch out from magic into other sort of allied arts, other things. Uh, like ventriloquism, juggling, and all sorts of other stuff. And I decided hypnosis was for me. So uh, my dad pay, uh, paid the hypnotist to teach me how to do it. I studied it for a couple of years and decided like this was it. After school, I was going to be an entertainer. That was going to be my business. I wasn't a typical entrepreneur. I wasn't the guy who was selling sweets to the other kids at school or any of that stuff. I just did magic tricks and eventually learned hypnosis and then went out. And at the end of my like A-levels, which is the exams you do in the UK right before you would go to university. So I was like, 17, well, I've been about 18. It's like college level, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about 18, probably. Uh, and most people would then go to uni or into the workforce. And my dad said to me, why don't you take a gap year, give this entertainment thing a try, see if it turns into a successful route, and then see online world. Now, we were friends at that time. But because I was over there and you were over here, we didn't talk all that much, I suppose. Uh, and you were kind of had a similar story, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we weren't, we weren't galaxies apart at all. We, I mean, basically... I was. I watched a, a TV show uh, which was called the Paul Daniels Magic Show, and I used to watch that. I, I never wanted to be a magician, but there was once this guy who came on as a guest, and he was this big, stern-looking American chap, and he could read people's minds. He could influence every single decision they could make, and I thought, wow, you can really know what people were thinking. I thought, wow, now I'm really interested. So I started speaking to some friends who knew a little bit about this kind of stuff. I stumbled across some books that I could study on this stuff. And I just started doing some gigs. So basically, I paid my way to university, which and I wanted to be an actor, a sort of an actor as a kid, a little bit. And then I, I paid my whole way to university by performing. And similar story to Rob. I mean, basically, I spend a lot of time in hotel and hotels waiting to go and do a show or traveling two hotels, I'm on a plane or I'm waiting in the departure lounge to get on a plane or on a train or something. Basically, there's lots of waiting around. My show's like 45 minutes long. What am I going to do with the rest of it? And one of the things I had to do is I had to understand how to market myself, how to grow and get enough gigs so I never had to get a job. Uh, it was basically, that was basically it, if we're being frank about it. So I thought, well, how, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? And, and, so I started studying marketing. I mean, I started studying how I'm going to get these gigs. And that led me into the world of realizing, actually, other people who are entertainers also want to understand how do they get gigs. So that led me into creating a membership program and becoming a coach and a consultant for other entertainers, writing material for them as well as helping them build their businesses. And before I knew it, without me knowing, in fact, I was suddenly an information marketer. Suddenly, I you were a mem- closeted internet marketer. Weren't I you? was. I was way back in there with the trench coats. So I ended up being this this entrepreneur that I didn't really know I was. All I was really doing is filling in the time, and some people were paying me for the privilege. So where did you get the wherewithal to go? Oh, we can build this software. You know, we can go and create what we need. How do you get well, from well, being an entertainer on stage to that? So it came from a real naivety, actually, on my part, which is we were talking about the problem we had. And we can talk about why that came about, if you like, later. But we were talking about this problem we had, which was we wanted to run a survey and we wanted to then do something intelligently and automatically with the data that we received rather than just having it sit there in a CSV file. So we've got this problem. Okay, what should we do? And I thought, well, I'll tell you what. 
the problem will be well worth solving if we can solve it. Uh, and at the time, we were doing it all manually, by the way, like exporting CSV files from the survey application we used at the time, sorting it into different buckets, uploading it to a thing. And I know that you have that sort of experience of playing <laughs> with that as well. And so that, and, it, and it's a real, it's a real sign of kind of drag. It was worth it from the marketing results that, you know, the end result of sales and stuff, but it was a real drag. And so we knew if we could solve it, it would be good. And I naively actually said to you one day, I called you one day and said, listen, tell you what, I'll take a couple of thousand dollars. I'll go to like freelancer or Upwork or one of the sort of online freelancing websites. I'll post up a job looking for like a PHP developer because I'd heard of PHP and I knew that was a programming language. And I said, and we'll find someone who can build this thing. I reckon probably two or three weeks of work 2000 3000 maybe $5,000, and we'll have a... I'm laughing now I think about the naivety of it. <laughs> I've just realized how much I hate you. <laughs> and we'll have this great idea. And so I went on Freelancer, and I quickly ran into a slew of problems. For example, I don't know who's going to pull the wool over my eyes. I don't know who's going to just rip some code from some open source thing over there. I think there. the problem we both had is we didn't even know what we didn't know. We yeah. were in the mode of unconscious incompetence. Yeah. We didn't even know the questions to ask. So I very, very quickly realized that actually there was absolutely no way I was going to get this done for that sort of price. And yeah. so we sort of took a break for a little while and thought, well, how do we do this? Uh, and I guess, I guess we don't take no for an answer very easily. No, That's kind of one of our attributes that we both share. We don't take no for an answer very easily and think if we want something badly enough, then we'll find a way to get it done. Because otherwise, nothing great ever happens. When you don't take no for an answer, in, in my mind, you're also just not accepting somebody else saying it can't be done. Right, it's like right, right. you know, it's I'm going to keep complete intolerance to average, isn't it? It's if you're you know, some, I know some of some of your listeners are are people who are in in a in a job or in a position right now where they're frustrated, and and I think one of the things you can do is I say this to my mum all the time. My mum my often used to come in from work back in the day, and she used to say, "Oh, I hate my job. I hate my job." And I'm like, "Well, you've got two choices: you either put up or you shut up. Like you either or you do something about it. I mean, you either either do something about it or shut up and stop complaining." I mean, obviously, I wasn't as rude to that as, as that to my mum, but that's what it basically boiled down to. Like, if you can see the frustration, you can feel that inside of you. You've got to do something about it, or you've got to just accept it. And if you're not willing to accept it, which is the attribute that Rob and I do share, we're not willing to accept that that what is the norm? What is the normal level of growth? What is the normal way of doing these things? I mean, we, the way we run our company, completely not normal. We have a philosophy, I'll give you an example, um, which might be interesting, of, of radical transparency, which is all of our staff know exactly where we're at, everything about the company's financial details, everything in our business, they know exactly where we're at. They know what's what's occurring, what's going on next, because we we don't believe that you should have bits of paper because you're supposed to fill in that form. Oh, we're supposed to do this. Like, there's no supposed to. Like, what what have we got to comply with legally? We'll definitely do all of that. But above and beyond that, are we doing the right thing? And instead of teach, treating people as employees, instead of treating people as customers, instead of um, treating people as a number in your CRM system, treat people as human beings with emotions, feelings, and personal drivers, and then the rest of it sort of, sort of falls into place. We have, uh, neither of us have ever had a job. We've never worked for anyone else before. We've never been to a job interview before. We came out of school and did, or university in your case, and did what we do. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that we have got the 
it's I suppose it's given us the power to like just question everything and say, well, like we don't know how how an office is supposed to look. Apparently, it's nothing like ours yeah. uh, in terms of the day to day structure of how it all works, and that's that's fine by us. You know, we like it that way. So I guess just having that, and if and if somebody is in a job or has been in a job, then just realize that it's okay to question the way that they did things and the way that that employer did things. The norm is only the norm because people before you weren't courageous enough to change it. Hey there, no labels, no limits podcast listeners. Today, I have a great guest for you. This is Matt Ward. Matt is a speaker, author, and CEO. He's coming to us from Massachusetts area. Um, he says that telling me where he lives would get us all like wondering where the heck that is. So we're just going to go with outside of the Boston area. And Matt is an author of more, word of mouth for more referrals. And he's got a trust bank account. And I'm going to ask him to tell you what the heck that means. But let me tell you something really interesting about Matt that I'm hoping he'll get into a little more with us today. And he is the youngest of three boys. He is the first to go to high school and the only one not to go to prison. So Matt, with that as an intro to many facets of Matt Ward, could you do a little deeper introduction of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Sarah. I I am greatly appreciated. I I love having conversations. I'm a relationship builder and I'm all about connecting with people. In fact, I've been known for many years as a connector. So I built a a website agency and ran it for 16 years. And in early 2018, I sold that. And now I travel the country as a speaker, speaking about how to get more word of mouth referrals in your business and also in hiring and those types of things. Bottom line, it's about building connections and relationships. And I realized early on that that was my model for selling. I was a networker at the core. I didn't like cold calling. So I would go out, find networking groups, build relationships with people, maintain those relationships over a long period of time. And I I just grew them. And I think what got me to that, you know, that's a long-term play, Sarah. That's relationship building. It's just, it takes a long time. And people are always looking for that, the fruit, that bears off the tree. You know, how quickly can I make that sale? How quickly can I get a return on my investment? How quickly can I see uh, results from the change I'm making, right? And a lot of those things don't come right away. They take a long time. And I think it's just uh, the background in me, my pedigree that has figured out how to, uh, how to make things work in life. You know, so many different setbacks, so many challenges, and I never let anything get me down. I might have a bad day or a bad hour, but I'm going to turn that around and pursue what I'm going after. So let's get specific. Let's, you know, when we talked a little bit before you, you know, because our podcast targets folks um, who are really in transition, either they're coming out of something big or they may have been where you were when you sold your company and you're starting something different. You mentioned that you'd had a number of different um, transitions throughout your life. And I think it's really helpful to get specific about, okay, where where were you? Whether it's this example or something else, where were you? What kind of a transition was it? Was it like a, a professional or personal kind of transition? And then let's talk about kind of how did you navigate that? Because if you say you never let it stop you, it's really the thing of like, How'd that happen? So we could go back to my early childhood when my dad left, right? And we were three boys with a single mom and I was the youngest. And so what does that mean? That means I got 
beat up on all the time and I had to get out of situations like that. And I think that's where that grit and persistence started. Right. And so, um, I was lucky enough to attend, uh, tuition free boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar, Milton Hershey himself. It's called Milton Hershey school. And over 10,000 kids have graduated from that school. And I went to that school and that's, that's why I was able to graduate right from high school where my other two brothers did not. And what that school taught me was a lot of different things. But one thing it taught me was effort. You got to put the effort in. And so when I graduated from there, I went to college and I literally like failed. I wanted to go to school for hotel restaurant management, but I didn't want to be in debt. So I went to community college and, uh, and I failed broccoli and cheese sauce class. Like I cannot cook Sarah. I am a microwave millionaire, like a microwave magician. Like you give me a microwave and I am killing it. But just cooking, I am the most impatient man in the world when it comes to cooking and probably anything else. And so I failed that. And I'm like, okay, now what? Now what do I do? So I literally started scrapping together jobs to kind of make a living because I was living on my own. And, uh, struggled. I was on the struggle bus like everybody else. Justin Lapley talks about that. And, and I just think that like, I just always kept my head up. Things would happen all the time. When you least expect it, you're dirt poor living paycheck to paycheck, eating ramen noodles, spaghetti, things that could last a long period of time, chicken soup and whatever. And then you get a parking ticket and it's like, oh my goodness. And I just don't let that stuff yeah, I have a bad minute, moment, hour, day, but I know that tomorrow's going to be a different day and I just would not let whatever I wanted go. But in 1997, I sold my car on the street for $50 in Washington, D.C., and that's all I had in my pocket. And I moved to Massachusetts and started over, and the job I had waiting for me wasn't the same job that was offered to me. It was less pay, no benefits, not even full-time, and all those other things were promised to me. So what did I do? I just started contacting people who I was meeting and saying, do you know of any job available? And I took a job in a mailroom at an insurance company, worked second shift, and I worked my way up into their IT department. And, you know, it's just one month, six months, one year at a time, right? And you're just looking at the next target, the next obstacle that you need to get over. And I think for your listeners, that's the big takeaway. Like you, we call, we can call them goals. We can call them whatever we want. We can call them life plans. I don't care what you call them, but know what your next step is you're going for. I don't care if it's just a small step or it's a really big one in your mind. But if you're looking at it, then there should be nothing that gets in your way of getting it. And it should, it certainly should be, you know, smart goals, those achievable things and everything like that. I mean, if I, come on your podcast and I say, I want to do a hundred speaking gigs this year. That's not realistic. It's not going to happen. Right. But my goal is to do 24 this year as a full-time speaker. So how do we, you know, how do we figure that out? And how do we go after that? Well, we break it up. We chunk it up into the smaller bits, smaller things. And then we start working on how do we get, in my case, how do I get the gigs? Right. I I, got to come at them from different ways. I got to cold call people, cold email people. I got to go through friends. You know, I got to ask people questions. And when you ask, it opens Pandora's box. Matt, when you talked about 
keep, you know, like whatever your goal is or whatever you label your goal, whether it's a goal or objective, whatever, you've got to keep going towards that and look at it, keep your eye on that all the time. Do you like have, do you look at that like daily, weekly, or when opportunities come up, do you use that goal to filter in or out and say, it's not getting me to my 24 gigs this year? So how do you use that? Because I think that's where people struggle sometimes. Yeah. And just for the listeners, um, yeah, I'm no different. I actually don't use it enough and like I should and like good goal setting coaches talk about. I don't post it on the wall. I don't write it every day. I don't look at it every day. I know it's here in my head that that's my goal. The one thing I will do is when I have conversations, I bring it up and speak it. It makes it real. And it makes it accountable. So that's one way I do it. Do I look at things and revisit? Is this get, helping me get to my goal? No, and I should. But my biggest problem as an entrepreneur, and just to be perfectly frank, as a person, is this huge, shiny object that's always in front of my face. There is something else coming along today that's going to be like, oh, look at this, a little puppy. And it's just going to take my attention away. And I have learned to realize that while, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're part-time, we work only uh, 12 hours a day, right? I need to allow myself four to six hours out of that 12-hour day to literally do stuff that's not productive. Because then what happens is I, it, my brain clicks and it goes, Oh, I haven't been productive. Zone in. And it just zones in. And then I rattle off a whole series of things. And then when I'm done, I go, man, oh man, what could I have gotten done today if I just did that all day? Like, and I've always felt that I was somebody else's worst employee. It's amazing to me that I, that I lasted as long as I did. And actually, the funny thing is when I sold my company, I sold it to my longest tenured employee who's with me 11 years. And I looked at him and I said, wow, uh, 16 years owning this company. That's the longest I've ever worked for anyone. And I was working for myself. So I know that that's a challenge. And I think I just put, I'm just the type of person that will put in more hours to ensure that I reach my goal. I, but I just hit the opt-out button in 1995 because I don't, I, I, I don't like to, and, and that was the start of me saying no negativity allowed. I just don't want that. Not that it hasn't happened and that I haven't been my own inner critic problem many times, but the reality is I think that we have to limit how much negative influence we have in our lives. And there's Jim Rome said, you are the equal of the five, five people around you, the average of those people. And I surround myself with amazing, amazing people. And that helps in transition. And start surrounding us with people that truly support us in many different ways and are willing to show up. You know, when you start surrounding yourself with people and reaching out to people to care about people, you will find that there are people that don't want to be cared about and don't want to care about you. And when you get that, you need to be okay with that. You need to try and break through if it's somebody you really want to have a relationship with. But there are a number of people that I deeply respect and have tried numerous times and I don't respect them as much because I'm like, how on earth are you in business? Like you can't, I get no emails back. I get no phone calls back. I get no, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, if I don't get those responses, then my referral I send to you will not either. 
So, you know, you are, you are how you act every day. So that's it for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.